when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i've made it and it's all about you it's all about you jesus king of endless worth no one could express how much you deserve though i'm weak and poor all i have is yours every single breath i'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i've made it when it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i've made it and it's all about you it's all about you jesus when the music fades all is stripped away and I simply come I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord this studio today is going to serve as the house of the Lord and I'm so pleased you have joined us 
for this service. I hope that this message and this music will be a special blessing. Would you hear now, please, the word of God from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul sent him over the army and all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me now for a word of prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. A man suffered a shattering experience in life in which all of his world seemed to collapse. But somehow he made it through. When asked how he did it, he said, I had a friend. The poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge compared a friend with a sheltering tree. That's a beautiful image of a friend. Here is a friend who serves as a shade from the protection of the sun, a leafy tree that keeps the cold winter's blast of loneliness away. A friend is a sheltering tree. Someone said that it's rare to have more than one friend. Often we do have one friend, occasionally two, and sometimes even three at the most. A teacher said to her students in school, she said, if you have one friend, one friend, you are rich indeed. Now today I want to talk about friendship, and I want to talk about it in the light of the friendship between Jonathan and David. That will be our focal point. Jonathan's friendship with David surrounded Saul's attempt to murder David. And we see two brackets in the scripture. The first bracket was the first verse I read. Listen. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, most of chapters 18 through 20 simply are about the details of Saul's attempt to murder David. Saul tried to kill him three times with a javelin. Then he tried to kill him twice by getting him involved in Philistine wars, using his daughters as prizes. Then he sent in the death squad. But as we know, it didn't work. But Saul did succeed in a rising tide of opposition being directed toward David. It was Jonathan that enabled David to escape. Now here's the closing brackets of that particular chapter. It comes here at the end of chapter 20. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since both of us have sworn the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my descendants and your descendants forever. Do you see it? It was friendship that saved the day. And usually that's true. Friendship always saves the day. Now, you know, Jonathan stood to lose a lot by making friends with David. As a matter of fact, he would lose the favor of his father, 
he would lose any opportunity he might have to be the king in succession of his father. But yet he didn't count anything. He didn't count the loss or the risk of any importance. He made friends as best he could with David. He loved David and looked after him. And that's important for us to notice. Now, God knew that David would need an intimate friend to walk through the valley he had to walk through. God also knows that we need intimate friends to walk through the valleys that we have to walk through. And God calls us to be friends with others, to be their friends when they go through those valleys as well. Friendship is like prayer and fasting. It's like the sacrament. It takes a common human experience and turns it into something holy. If you want to offer something big time to the world, then offer them your friendship. That would be critically important. First of all, friendship is a gift, a treasure. When Jack Benny, the famous comedian, had just died, George Burns was called to be interviewed on television. George Burns said that he and Jack Benny had been friends for almost 55 years. And he said, Jack had never walked out on me when I sang, and I never walked out on Jack when he played the violin. He said, as a matter of fact, over those 55 years, he said, we talk to each other at least once a day. That is friendship. The first gift given to us in creation is the gift of companionship. It is not good for man to be alone. That's what God said just before he provided Adam with Eve. In other words, he didn't say it is not practical or convenient for man to be alone. He said it's not good for man to be alone. In other words, he brought about the first relationship and provided Adam with Eve. Now, all of us are like Adam, every last one of us. And this is not so much about a license for marriage as it is a warrant for companionship and fellowship. Here I'm talking about friendship. This is the gift of God to us. The gift of God's grace to us is friendship. Now, the ultimate form of friendship is the friendship with the divine, and we'll come back to that. Now, beloved, friendship with God is so critically important, but most of us need friends with human beings as well. That is certainly something that God has provided us with the incentive and opportunity to develop, friendship with others, and what a great blessing that is. Now, this might be a good place to bring in the various types of friendship that we have. For instance, there are those short-term friendships. These friendships are not long, but they bring us great blessing and companionship while we have them. Then there are those other friendships that we might call common interest friendships. For instance, we all pull for the same team. You know, the dogs, the jackets, the crimson tide, the tigers. We are golfing buddies. We are fishing buddies. We play cards together. We do various things together, even study together. We know what great friendships those are. And then there are friendships with clubs and committees. These are not great friendships, to be sure. But these are the kind of friendships that enrich our lives. Then there are those friendships in passing. You know, the friendship with the sales clerk at the grocery store, or with the post person who brings us our mail, or with our barber. You know, when I lived here in Columbus, I had a barber for over a decade. She was of Japanese descent. 
and an absolutely marvelous person. She had great integrity and great skill, and she had many, many people coming to her because she was such a wonderful person. Her name was June Lawson. But June Lawson suddenly died before most of us even knew she was sick. She has been missed. As I said, there are those passing friendships. These friendships make such a difference in our lives. Then there are those intimate friendships, those close intimate friendships that make our lives worthwhile, that give meaning to our lives. You know, I've had one or two of those friendships. When I think of those kind of friendships, I think of my friend Ike Boyette. Ike Boyette was a wonderful friend who unfortunately died in an accident at the age of 40. Ike Boyette was a dynamic churchman, a dynamic businessman. He and I became close friends. We would serve on all kinds of church committees together. We would go to the drugstore in the afternoons at 4 o'clock and share coke floats. We would play golf together. Along with our wives, we played bridge together. We went to banks trying to get a loan for a church fund together. But then my wife and I moved from that church to another church. The first time we went into the new parsonage, that was a beautiful flower arrangement right there before us. You guessed it, it was from Ike Boyette. Friendships are treasured gifts, and they are indeed to be treasured. And then friendships get beyond the surface. Now, all of us know people who simply look at us in appearance only. I remember years ago, I served a small church in a small town, but I would go to this service station, the same one, every time for my gas. I would go in and get the gas and talk to the owner. We got to know each other. And every time when I would leave the station, he would simply say something like this, See you, Harold. Well, one day I went to him and I said to him, you know, it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference, but the name is Hal, not Harold. He said, okay. That very afternoon, after I filled up with gas and pulled out, he said, See you, Harold. But much more seriously, we all know people who take one look at us, make a snap judgment, and then put us in a category so they won't have to deal with us. And if they don't have to deal with us and put us in that category, they make us less than we are. And if we associate with them, we become less than we are. But then there is that friend, that friend who doesn't need to use us in any way, that friend that takes the time to know us, that friend who is so special. You know, I got to thinking about this. What are the characteristics of friendship? And I'd like for us to think about some of these. A friend moves beyond self-interest. That was true of Jonathan. We're told that Jonathan was bound to David, his soul to his soul. Jonathan loved David. He loved him, and his love went beyond self-interest. When General Colin Powell worked for President Ronald Reagan, he and some other cabinet members came up with a, a new policy. They're excited about this policy, so they took it to President Reagan, and General Powell told him all about it. Well, President Reagan wasn't so sure about the policy, and so he simply debated with him. Even though he didn't think the policy was that good, President Reagan decided to trust General Powell and the other cabinet members and to adopt the policy. Well, that was a huge mistake. The policy didn't pay off in any way. It caused massive problems. And finally, President Reagan was interviewed. And one of the interviewers said, were you responsible for that policy? 
President Reagan simply said, I take full responsibility for it. And we're told that General Powell was standing not too far away with tears running down his cheeks. You see, a friend gets beyond self-interest. And then a friend defends. There's nothing fair weather about a friend. A friend will never talk about you when you're not present. We're told that Jonathan spoke to Saul, his father, about the good qualities of David. You know, that Jonathan was something else. He was a good friend. He was not petty. He was not jealous in any way or envious. He was just a friend. A friend defends. And then a friend allows you to be yourself. When we have a kindred spirit with somebody, we don't have to explain why we do what we do. We just simply do it. That's the way it is. We're told that David fell to the ground in mourning and Jonathan fell to the ground and mourned with him until David fully recovered. That's a friend. Someone said that a friend, somebody offered a prize for the best definition of a friend, and that definition said a friend is someone who comes in when the whole world has gone out, and that is a friend. And then a friend encourages a friend encourages. We're told in the 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel, we're told that Jonathan encouraged David in the Lord. He encouraged him in the Lord. You know, I go around sometime and lead pastors in conferences. And I remember when I would go to these conferences, I would always tell them that the role of the senior minister is to be a Barnabas, a son or daughter of encouragement. The role of the senior minister in a church is to encourage the staff, and everybody else. That's our role. Charles Kingsley was asked how he made it, how he was such a success. He said, I had a friend. What he was saying was, I was encouraged by my friend. And then a friend brings out the best in us. Henry Ford was asked who was his best friend, and Henry Ford said, a person's best friend is the one who brings out his or her best. Wasn't that what Jonathan did for David? He brought out David's best. What kept David from just losing all of his sense of being when he was threatened by Saul so many times? What kept him from striking out against Saul in violence? What kept him in tune to God's purposes? It was his friendship with Jonathan. That's what kept him in line with God's purposes. And so I say, friendship always looks beyond the surface. And then... Friendship also does some other things. The third thing it does is it requires work and effort. Dale Carnegie, who wrote the book How to Influence Friends and Influence People, he said we can do more good in two months in trying to interest ourselves in others than in two years in trying to get others to be interested in us. The key is a friend is always interested in others, not the reverse. So how does an acquaintance become a good friend and even a, a soulmate? Does it just happen? Well, sometimes it happens, but not often. You see, friendship is a process. It's a process, and it takes time. It takes work and effort. As I said, it takes a lot of work and effort, and most of the time that work and effort occurs in little remembrances, little courtesies and kindnesses, little acts of resolve to help and assist people. You know, sometimes we read about marriages, marriages that fall apart, and we'll hear partners say something like this, well, he just stopped courting me, 
she neglected me. We didn't have time for each other, those kind of things. Well, that was this couple that had a television set that didn't work. So they tried everything. They spun the dial. They did everything else with a fuse box. They kicked it, trying to get it to work. Finally, they had to call a repairman. The repairman came, and immediately what he found was that the cord had been disconnected from the socket. And so he said to them, whenever you deal with repairs, always start with the small and the simple. Ninety-nine percent of the time, it's the small and the simple that are the problem. So with marriage, so with friendship. The writer of Proverbs says, if you want to have friends, then you have to be friendly. You have to be friendly. And then, fourthly, friendship in and with God. Now, beloved, I've lived long enough to know that human friendships have their limitation. Dr. Ellsworth Callis put it this way, it's because our human friends are human. They get tired, tired in general, and sometimes tired of us. They have problems of their own. So, beloved, we cannot put too much stock in human friendships, even if those are good friendships. We simply cannot put too much stock in those. So, consequently, we need a divine friendship. Well, the language of divine friendship is prayer. But some of us don't pray much. Consequently, we don't have much of a friendship. If we're going to develop a friendship with the divine, it's going to take time. You remember the Hebrew patriarch Abraham? He was called the friend of God. We don't necessarily know why he was called the friend of God, but we suspect it had something to do with his long years of continuity of fellowship with God. We're told that Abraham built many, many altars to God. That gives us some clue that he spent time with God. The great Samuel Johnson said to his friend, Sir Joshua Reynolds, he said, a person's friendship must be in constant repair. A person's friendship must be in constant repair. That's a friendship with the divine and a friendship with humans as well. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to offer a gift to a world that's grasping for hope? Then offer them your friendship with the divine and your friendship with other human beings. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Oh God, how grateful we are for friendship. We're thankful for the friends we have, no matter how many they are. But even more, we're thankful for your friendship. We are grateful, oh God, that you continue to love us and you demonstrate your friendship every single day of our lives, every moment of our lives. Help us to be aware and to be receptive. Help us not only to be your friend, but the friend of others, a real friend, a friend who really and truly cares and assists in every way possible. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory, O oh God. Amen. Let me thank you again for being with us this week, and I trust you'll be with us next week and tell your friends about this ministry. God bless you, and have a good evening.
nothing can separate even if i ran away your love never fails i know i still make mistakes but you have the mercies for me every day your love never fails and you stay the same through the ages your love never changes there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning and when the oceans rage i don't have to be afraid because i know that you love me your love never But I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. But your love never fails. And you stay the same through the your love never changes there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning and when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me your love never Work together for